anybody know Jesus will fix it? If you just wait on him, he'll fix it, won't he? After a while, after a while, after a while. Thank you, brothers. Amen. Thank you so much. God has smiled on me. He has set me free. Any worshipers here today? God has smiled on me. Would you help me sing that today? God has smiled on me. He has set me free. God has smiled on me. He's Can I sing my verse for you today? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but I see. Come on, help me say it. God has smiled on me. He has God has smiled. Oh, yes. Would you stand with me as we sing one last verse and then pray? God has, God has smiled on me. He has set me free. been good he's been he's been good he's been good he's been good to me to me father god in the name of jesus we thank you this morning for the opportunity to worship you in the outdoor sanctuary thank you for these great men of god that have sang unto their hearts content, led us in worship before your throne. Now, Father, it's preaching time, and we need for you to do in us only what you can do in us. That's open up our eyes and our ears, that we may see and we may hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Wash us again, renew our hearts and minds, give us a perfect desire to follow you in the more excellent way. Give our pastor preaching power, 
preaching permission that preaching may be done. And in the end thereof, we'll give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And all God's children said together, amen and amen. While you're standing, while you're standing, 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, we are in a, a series titled, A Pivotal Moment in Ministry or in Life. A Pivotal Moment in Life. This is part two. David, therefore, verse one of 1 Samuel 22, David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented, they gathered to him. And so he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. And then David, somebody say, then David. He went from there, that cave, to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you till I will know what God will do for me. And so he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. And now there was a prophet named Gad. He said to David, David, do not stay in the stronghold, but depart and go to the land of Judah. And so David departed and he went into the forest of Hereth. And all God's children said, amen, amen. and amen. Look at somebody and tell them before you take your seat, neighbor, oh neighbor. My pastor wants to talk to you today about how to handle the pivotal moments in life. You may be seated. You may be seated. How to handle the pivotal moments in life. New Beginnings last week, when we were in this text, we saw our brother David hiding in a cave called the Cave of Adullam. And he was there because trouble in his life had called him to run for his life. We said that David had enemies on the left of him and enemies on the right of him. And he was at a point in his life were all seemed like it was lost. David was running because King Saul 
was trying to kill him. And David was having what you and I call is a pivotal moment in his life. Beloved, when we heard about David, we saw that his family, when they got the news, they came down to see about the baby boy. We said on last week that it's important to remember that everybody needs somebody at some time in their life, especially when life has done you wrong. Can I get an amen right there? Everybody needs somebody to come see about them when they are in their darkest cave of existence. Now, according to the text, not only did the family come see about him, Mother Donna, but there was 400 other men who were going through the exact same thing that David was. And they came down as well to come and be with the one they loved. The Bible says they had something in common. Somebody holler, tell me, Pastor. They were all discontent. They were all distressed. They were all in debt. And they were all going through it. I like that right there because it's a picture of community. And they came down together to encourage David, who thought he was all alone in a cave running for his life. I believe I said this on last week, Pastor Widow. I think it was God that led them down to that cave to encourage David. And we learned on last week that that was a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment in the life of those who were weary, wounded, and sad, and a pivotal moment in the life of a leader that God was developing for himself. I, I reminded us on last week that pivotal moments, Brother Reuben, are filled with spaces of sadness. Pivotal moments are structured to make you choose which direction you gonna head in. Pivotal moments are those times in life when a change is coming. A change that's gonna alter your direction and your destiny for the future. That's what pivotal moments do. Can I unpack it for you? The day you decided to make Jesus your Lord and Savior was a pivotal moment. If y'all tell the truth with me and stay in the church, you were at a place of hardship, sick and tired of being. That was a pivotal moment you needed to change, and that's what pivotal moments do. They bring you to places of decision, and David, in today's text is in a pivotal moment. Guess what? In this pivotal moment of David's life, Reverend Nichols, God is going to use him for his honor and his glory. In fact, this story today is going to show you and I that when we respond the right way in the pivotal moment, we will not only see God move, feel God move, but we'll hear him tell us to move. Are you with me here? 
Well, we're going to look at two things in this text and we'll get out your way this morning. Let's look at David's place of intercession and David's place of importance. In verse 3, where we'll pick up from last week, the text says that then David, he went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you until I can know what God will do for me. And so he brought them. Who's the them? Mama and daddy, brothers and the 400 men. He brought them before the king of Moab. And they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the story, we find that after all those 400 men and after David's family and siblings came to him in the cave of Adullam, we find that the cave, Sister Wilson, it got too small. It got too tight for them. And all of a sudden, David's got to make a leadership decision. He has to relocate because his ministry has now grown immensely. In other words, David needed a new location to lead those who had come to follow him. I think that feels good right there. You see, every now and then in life, uh, brothers and sisters, your situation gets a little too tight. And God will wait to see what you're going to do, Sister Jackie, in the midst of a pivotal situation. Can I turn the light on right here? The text says he came up with a plan and he left Adullam and came to Mizpah of Moab. Now this is significant for us because Adullam have been a place of isolation. Somebody say isolation. And now that David has community, he's no longer isolated. Adullam had become a place of solitude. But now that he has community, he's no longer confined to trying to do life alone. I need some help right through there, Zuniga. And so he goes to the place Reverend Zuniga called Mizpah of Moab. This word Mizpah is interesting because the definition of the word is the word watchtower. He goes from the cave of isolation and solitude to the position of the watchtower. Are y'all in here now? It was apparently, Boundary, the fortified city, the residence of the king of Moab. David didn't know it, but Mizpah was going to become a place where David could rest from his enemies. In other words, he was going from a place of isolation 
Brother Jose, to the place of intercession. Y'all catch it? He's going from isolation to intercession, from the cave to the watchtower. Here it is. It was going to become a place where David could trust safely that those who were now under his covering could live there without fear. And so the Bible says, Reverend Tom, you'll appreciate this. He went and he interceded on behalf of the people to the king in the watchtower. This was another pivotal moment. See, in the personal audience with the Moabite king, David requests that his father and his mother be granted sanctuary until he could find out what God was going to do for him. Can I say this more? The king of Moab is the ruler of Mizpah, and he sits in a position to help somebody who's running from the enemy. Okay, I know y'all not impressed. This is new beginnings. You're like, you got to do some more, pastor. I got it. Well, let me tell you this. The king of Moab, he ain't Hebrew. He's a Gentile. Are you with me here? He's a Gentile that ain't down with King Saul. Okay, he's a Gentile king who helps those who are running for their lives, looking for asylum from the ravishing uh, places and experiences of war. <laughs> he's a king who listens to cave dwellers. He's a king who's really ready to minister to the discontented, to the distressed, to the down and out. He's the king who sits high in the watchtower and who rescues people who've been living in the caves. He, he becomes an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Did, now, did you notice we don't have a beginning or an ending? for this king. He just shows up out of nowhere when it's time for a pivotal moment to take place in your life. I feel like doing it right through here. Not only that, but I noticed soon ago, he's a king that likes intercessors. He likes people to come to him with his problems. He's ready to solve their problems in spite of where they've been. In spite of where they're going. Somebody holler King Jesus. Second thing that's noticeable in this text, daughter Charlene, good to see you, is that the king of Moab, yes, has an ancestry. And David is somewhat connected to the Moabite king. You say, wait a minute, pastor, how's that? David's Hebrew, he represents the Gentiles. Remember David's great-grandma? Her name was Ruth, the Moabitess. Oh, somebody missed me right through there. David literally goes to the king, and guess what he says? King, can my mama and daddy, 
who are descendants of Ruth the Moabitess. Can my family, which happens to be your family, can they hang out with you in the strong tower until I will know what God will do for me? Isn't that powerful right there? <laughs> I like that. I like that because literally what we see, uh, Lady Green, in this text is David's theology changes. Remember, just yesterday he was in the cave, hiding all alone. And today he's got his groove back. Now he's talking about God. Now he knows God is up to something. So King, let me come down here with you in this place of intercession, in the place of the strong tower until I can hear from God to know what God will do for me. Is it just me or I'm feeling some kind of way right there? In other words, God was calling him from the place of isolation to the place of intercession. Here it is. He was calling him from the low place now to the high place. Uh, let me say it some way I think you're feeling. He was positioning David to hear from him on what David should do next. Can I tell you, beloved, that this was a pivotal moment? David is no longer afraid. David Deacon Roy is no longer lonely. David is no longer in doubt about what God could do. Because David now, he's got a new mindset. Sister Billings, he understands that God's got a plan for him. Can I tell you why? He showed up in his cave. God showed up in the presence of community when David needed some help and some, some assistance. At that time, God showed up, and now David recognizes, hey, God's got something in store for me. Here it is. Here it is for the people in the back. We can learn from this text that when God takes you from the place of isolation, he always does it through the encouragement of others. Remember me pushing last week that you need somebody? We can learn from this text that God is the one who brings people into your life to encourage you. Be careful about getting rid of everybody in your life. You need somebody when you get in your cave. Can I get an amen right through that? You need somebody when life gets so low that you start playing handball with the curve. You, you need somebody when that substance abuse problem has you in the headlock and tries to make you tap out. You need somebody, Sean. Listen, listen, you might want to run from everybody, but let me tell you, the time is coming when you're going to need them people you're running from. In this pivotal moment, David recognizes God's got some help for me in the strong tower. Can I take my time through this text? The Bible says in verse 4, 
So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him. All the time that David, daughter Julie, was in the stronghold. Beloved, when I get to this part of the verse, David's parents, watch this now, they stayed or dwelt in the strong tower. You see that? But David stayed in the stronghold. Two different places. Two different positions. Are you in here? In the strong tower, the parents were under the protection of the king. In the stronghold, David was on the front line for the king. <laughs> See, the stronghold was that place in front of the kingdom where the soldiers of God would defend for the people of God in the strong tower. Y'all in here? Okay, in the strong tower, Brother Fred, the parents were ministered to by the king. But in the stronghold, David was a minister of the king. <laughs> ah, there were two different places with two different functions. David is serving the king of Moab and he's being served by the king of Moab. Oh, I can't contain it. I got to let it go. Can I say some more? That, that's like a picture of the church. Yeah, yeah. See, our God is in the strong tower. And while he watches over us and takes care of us, Brother Tommy, we ought to live in the church, which is the stronghold. Can I say some more? And in the stronghold, we bear witness of the king in the strong tower. And we ought to take our cues from this text, beloved. While the king of the strong tower serves us, we ought to serve him from the stronghold. Can I tell you, the church is more than just a place to gather on Sunday morning. This is the place of the stronghold. Can I say it like I feel it? This is the place where the broken can run in and be made well. This is the place where the demonic have to get in line and fall out. Are you with me here? This is the place where healing takes place. This is the place where you can get peace of mind. This is the place where your broken life can be put back together. You need the stronghold. I feel like preaching right here. Did you know that the church is the light of the world? The church is the salt of the earth? You may think this world has gone crazy. She ain't gone too crazy because God's church is still in it. And we're the people of God with the authority of God doing the mission of God on earth for God. We make a difference in the earth. I need you to look at five people and tell them, hang in there, you're making a difference. Look at them, you're making a difference, you're making a difference. I love this text. I'm excited right here, Deacon Terry, because David 
Watch this, because David, he handled the pivotal moment right. All those who were with him, they now got to benefit from his ministry leadership and his relationship with the king. It was because of their leader that they got to get into the sweet spot. <laughs> I wish, I, oh Lord Jesus, help me through here. It was because of their leader, Nichols, that the rest of the family was going to be all right. Where the father's at? Where the father's at? Fathers, it means something. When you are in your rightful place, in relationship with the king, who's sitting in the strong tower. See, when daddy get it right, all of the family is going to be tight. But when daddy ain't in relationship, chaos can come to the family. When daddy ain't in relationship, sometimes the children ain't got no choice but to dwell in a cave. Are you with me here? I don't know about you, but we need some fathers who are sick and tired of being a cave dweller. We need some daddies who are sick and tired of living in isolation. We need some daddies who are willing to say, I'm taking my family back to the strong tower. And while they in the strong tower, I'm going to take my role in the stronghold. I'm not going to let nothing come up in my house that ain't got no business being in my house. Come on, come on, help me, brothers. Come on, help me. I'm feeling some kind of way in here. Look, mama is good. Mama is sweet, cute, beautiful. But her job ain't to be in the stronghold. No, it's the man's job to be in the stronghold. Are you listening to me, brothers? You got an assignment. And your assignment is to be out front. To deal with all the hell that want to get in your house. But if you put her out front... You put the whole family in jeopardy. Now, don't get it twisted. I ain't saying mama can't scrap with the best of them. I'm not saying that. I know she can. But have you noticed how different God made her? She's made soft and pretty. You made rough and tough. That ain't by chance. That's by design. God, yes. Oh, I feel like doing it. Can I say some more? God didn't make the man for the woman. He made the woman for the man. And he made the man to protect her. To keep her. So if you got a sorry man, take him back to the bus stop where you found him. And wait on the real man to show up. Wait on the real one that said, baby, I want to protect you. Baby, I want to make sure you're safe. Baby, are you okay? Baby, unball your fist. Get your nails done. I got this. Baby, I want to be your protector, your provider. I want to be the one that stands in the gap between the strong tower and the stronghold. I don't know how I got out there, Nichols, but it felt good. When you look at this place, the stronghold was a place of security. It's a place of safety. It's a place of attack. The place of assurance. The place of awareness. That's what God intended. 
David to be? Well, we've looked at David's place of intercession. Let me land the plane now, looking at David's place of importance. Verse 5, the Bible says, Now, the prophet Gad, did you see that? He said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, but depart and go to the land of Judah. And so David, he departed and he went to the forests of Hereth. Beloved, thank you for listening today. When we come to this final verse, we get to see a shift in position of our brother, David. David has found a place of refuge and a place of safety in Moab. Yet, God disrupts his position in Moab, watch this now, Tom, to send him into the forest. Why? It's a place of importance. He has got to prepare David to be the king he's called him to be. But David can't prepare in the place where he is. <laughs> I just dropped that for somebody. Somebody listen to me this morning. God is preparing you in this place of intercession to move you from where you are to the place where he's calling you to be. That's a pivotal moment. Look, the text suggests that Moab of Mizpah was only for a season. It was a short moment. It was a moment of intercession, a moment of introspection, a moment of isolation. Moab was not the final destination. Why? God had more for David to do. Somebody holler, God's got more. Look, the first thing we see is that when God got ready to move David, guess what he sent him? He sent him a preacher. <laughs> I'm preaching for my life right here. Look, look, look. He sent him a preacher. And guess what kind of preacher he was? Discontented, in debt, and in distress. He was also a cave dweller. Uh-oh, somebody missed it. Are you with me here? He was a cave dweller with issues. But he had a special calling on his life. Even when he was in the cave. And now that David has taken everybody to Mizpah, God speaks to the preacher who's in the cave with David and now in the stronghold. Here it is. When the time was right and God was ready to move David, he gave his preacher a word. 
Oh, and what a word it was. The Bible teaches us that Gad, in verse 5, first of all, this is the first time we see him in the book of 1 Samuel. And it'll be the last time you see him. He shows up for a season in David's life for a timely word. Can I say some more? Scholars talking about this text, Brother Ed said that when Gad spoke to David, gave him this challenge, he was literally preaching from Deuteronomy 23. He warns David, Brother Sean, that the Torah said the Hebrews are not supposed to enter into a treaty with the Gentiles. David, you can't stay here. Oh, I just dropped something right here. David, you can rest for a minute, but you can't enter into a long-time relationship with somebody that's not like Yahweh. I just dropped something there. Can, can I say it? You ain't got no business living with the unbelievers. You can know them. You can talk to them. You can minister to them. But it ain't about you hanging out doing life with them. Deuteronomy 23, he preaches that sermon. David, you got to move from here. And what I like about this text is that God, because he's a true prophet of the Lord, David understood that the word he spoke to him was true. And you know what the Bible says? David obeyed the prophet. And he went out to the land of Judah. Secondly, I see in that one verse, God was doing something in David's heart. What do you mean, pastor? Because David had become encouraged, Boundary, because he had become renewed, because he had become refreshed and restored, he was now ready to engage in what God was calling him to do. I just dropped it. Renewal, restoration. Yeah, yeah, now he's ready to do what God has called him to do. Let me say it another way. Sometime it takes a cave it takes deliverance from the cave, getting reconnected with God to understand you've got a higher purpose for living. And when you hear that word, you know that word. When you hear that call, Mother Mary, you know that call. David is called now to move out into Judah. And the text gets interesting. He moves to the forest. Uh-huh interesting destination why the forest why did he go out there well i believe that god was preparing david to get ready to deal with king saul so he had to bring david to a place where he could train these 400 men he had to bring david to a space that was big enough to disciple everybody he had to bring david to a place well, David now would be responsible for leading this army. Here it is. He displayed his trust in the word when he heard what the prophet tell him to say or tell him to do. Number two, he displayed his trust in the provision of the Lord. 
because Yahweh had now become his strong tower. And number three, David in this verse, guess what he models, Roy? He models what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. He moves out, takes everybody with him, and now he's got a new pivotal moment in life. Well, I'm through. I've kept you out here too long, but I've learned something in this text, daughter Jackie, that pivotal moments don't happen once or twice. They happen all of your life. And those are the moments, Lady, Lady McBee, where God tries to move you from level to level. Come on in here. Where my gamers at? Where my gamers at? I don't know no gamer in here that want to stay on the same level. No, you get into the game, Ruben, and see how many levels you can level up to. Am I talking to you here? It's the same way in Christianity. Somebody ought to be trying to go to the next level. I got any levelers in here, Thaddeus? Uh, well, I got to leave you now. But I want to tell you that somebody here this morning, God's trying to move you from where you were to where you need to be. Somebody here, God's trying to move you from where you are to where he's trying to get you to be. And it's going to take pivotal moments for you to hear his voice, recognize his work, and then go to the next level. When I read this text and I think about Jesus, you know, Jesus had multiple pivotal levels in his life. When John the Baptist, his cousin, was baptizing in the Jordan, and Jesus showed up, and John called him out, that was a pivotal moment. Jesus had to decide, am I going to obey my father, or I'm going to just stay the God-man for the rest of my human existence? But he stepped out, stepped into the muddy Jordan. And when he did that, heaven spoke. Didn't heaven speak? Bible says the Spirit of God came down like the form of a dove landed on him and the voice said this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased can I call roll he left that encounter with God with the high tower and went into the forest the wilderness where he was tried Zuniga 40 days and 40 nights with the devil tempting him are you listening here and when he was able to resist the temptation of the evil one, the Bible says that the angels came down and they ministered to him. That was another pivotal moment. He went from that pivotal moment now to the inauguration of his ministry. Right now, son, the first assignment, he goes to preach in his home church in the city. And when he preached his first sermon, the people that knew him got so mad they tried to run him out of town and throw him off the cliff. That was a pivotal moment, but he kept on preaching. And y'all know the rest. For three years in Northern Palestine, I heard he gave sight to the blind. I heard he made the cripple walk. I heard he cured leprosy. I heard he raised the dead. Did y'all hear it too? Yeah. I heard he cast out demons. Yeah. 
He did everything right. And he still had pivotal moments. Folks tried to kill him. Because he said, I'm the son of God. And I came that they might have life. He had a pivotal moment. He got ready to take care of your sins and mine. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And guess what he had, y'all? A pivotal moment. He knew what was coming at the cross and the sufferings of Calvary. And so he cried to his father, Daddy, if there's any other way, can you let that way happen and take this cup from me? But the father was silent and Jesus knew there was no other way but for the Lamb of God to be slain. He got up from his prayers with blood streaming down his head. Allowed them to whoop him all night long. Didn't they whoop him all night long? Placed the crown of thorns on their head. Stretched him wide. Dropped him low. Didn't he die? Didn't he die? They took the body down. Put it in another man's tomb. And while he was in hell, he took the sting out of death. Victory over the grave. And a pivotal moment happened. God the Father reached down from glory, raised his baby back to life. And early, early Sunday morning, he got up from the dead. Didn't he get up from the dead? Didn't he rise from the dead? Come on, say he got up. And all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And I'm so glad today he's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I, watch this now, to be successful in our pivotal moments. See, you don't have no reason why you can fail in the pivotal moment because you got the God man, your big brother Jesus, who already went through it for you, showed you how to go through it, and then gave you his spirit to lead you through it. The reason why we fail in pivotal moments is because we want to fail. Are you listening? Let the church say amen. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Brothers, would you come? Our Father and our God, truly, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for teaching us about the life of David. 